When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to updates on the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book write podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, along with Eric Smith. We are recording at Thursday, December 21st, 2017. How's it going, Eric? Oh my god, it's the end of the year! I know, I know, and it, it's funny, we're recording before people will listen and people will be listening at the start of the new year. Oh so it's like goodness. time travel. Well, we made it. I hope. Yes, we made I it. I hope too. <laughs> <laughs> what are you oh. reading right now? Uh, so right now I'm rereading a bunch of my favorite YA music themed books for a little side project of mine. Um, first up on that list is a reread of the disenchantments by Nina LaCour, which I think I probably talked about this on here before. Um, it's, you know, I think it's the best YA music novel ever. Uh, I love that book, Something Fierce. Um, it's about a band made up of teenagers gearing up for their first real tour. Um, but the singer says that, you know, afterwards she's going to go to college. Um, and this kind of throws a wrench in the plans of the roadie, this kid Colby, who was hoping the two of them would travel the world a little bit together. Um, and it just does this, it does this awesome job of capturing this awkward moment between high school and college when you're... You're kind of discovering who your your friends are going to be that you're going to keep forever. Um, it's kind of this lesson that like everyone has to unfortunately learn that you know you don't you don't keep all those friends forever. Um, and yeah, she captures it so well with this really great blend of music and road trip and travel. Um, yeah, it's a total favorite of mine. It's been so long since I read that one. I really need to go revisit it. Um, when I first read it, I wasn't super in love with it as much as I think I would be now. Like, Mm. it seems like one of those books that would sort of grow on you (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, as you read more and more, especially since I've loved LaCour's other books. Like, her other books have been almost flawless reads for me. So I'm curious, like, what going back and and revisiting it might look like now. What about you? What's on your uh, end-of-the-year reading list? (laughs) So right now I am in the middle of moving. Um, We just bought a house... And we're trying to sell our current house. So, so much of my time lately, like the last three weeks, besides being just a total blur, have also been sort of like a long time scrubbing things in the house that like I would never scrub because (laughs) I don't see the point of it. Um, I have dusted the house and it's very clear that my stance on not dusting has... um, resulted in needing to dust eight years worth of dust from the house. Oh my... Yeah, um, it's been pretty incredible. But while I do that, I like to listen to audiobooks, and I have a hard time with fiction in audio, but nonfiction I can really sort of dig into when it comes to listening. So I've listened to a lot of um, adult nonfiction rather than YA of any sort. So I, 
right now I will say I am between books. Um, but I, I have this dream of a beautiful library in, in the next house and, you know, having all of the space for like lounging out and reading and just like <laughs> soaking in the awesome of a new house and tons of books. Um, I've, I've been joking that I should have put in the listing for my current house that whoever moves here is going to pretty much have guaranteed free books showing up for, oh, probably the rest of their life, you know? <laughs> oh, goodness, it's true. I still have books that get sent to me and my wife's old apartment in Virginia. And, like, it doesn't matter how many times I email the publicists, they, they keep going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't quite figured out how I'm even going to uh, attempt to organize that. So it's it's one of those things where I'm just like, well... I guess I'll figure that out down the road. And also, I really hope the people who move here like books. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of books and a lot of books, um, for listeners out there who don't know, we are, Eric and I are not the we, but we as in Book Riot as a whole, are giving away 20 of our top books from 2017. So if you want to, um, we will post a link in the show notes on site when this podcast goes live you can click there and see what the books are that are up for grabs and make sure that you enter to win them because hello starting your new year with 20 brand new awesome book ride approved books would be a pretty great start to the new year 20 books yes right 20 good books too i mean these are like vetted by by us you know the process you're familiar with it but Listeners may not be familiar with the process when we do our best books of the year. It's everybody gets a chance to to pick five titles and then they're all ranked. And then the top, however many, I can't remember what the total number was this year, um, are our favorite books. And then um, contributors get the chance to write their little blurb about why it's the best book of the year. So they're all well-vetted books and a little bit different than some of the other lists as well as some crossovers to what have been the biggest books of the year so it's a pretty great giveaway yeah and before we jump into our first topic which is going to be a lot of fun i'm gonna do our first sponsor which is meet cute from hmh teen two characters meeting for the first time can often be the best part of a story now, readers can indulge in their love of meet-cute moments with a YA short story collection featuring tales of how they first met for some of today's most popular YA authors, including Jennifer Armentrout, Danielle Clayton, Katie Contugno, Jocelyn Davies, Huntley Fitzpatrick, Nina LaCour, Emery Lord, Cass Morgan, Julie Murphy, Meredith Russo, Sarah Shepard, Nicola Yoon, and on and on and on. <laughs> A diverse cast of characters and situations means that this collection is something for every reader looking for feel-good reading fun. Uh, I love this, like, hook. I really do. And I think you you read this one and said that it was really great, and I'm looking forward to digging into it. Um, the sponsor notes that it's got a gorgeous illustrated cover, and I agree, the cover for that one is beautiful. And it would be a really great, giftable hardcover, perfectly timed for Valentine's Day. Aww. That would be a cute Valentine's Day present. I was just thinking, I'm like, hmm, that would be an awesome Valentine's Day gift. So if anybody's listening who's trying to find their partner a perfect gift for Valentine's Day, this might be it. (laughs) So do you want to start uh, with this topic since you brought it up a few weeks ago when we were brainstorming? I love it. (laughs) I do. So um, 
So yeah, you know, before I, I got into publishing, I worked in magazines, and one thing you would talk about uh, at the end of every year was gearing up for the New Year, New You edition, where we would discuss... <laughs> Uh, you know, what sort of stuff we were going to cover in terms of uh, New Year's Eve and people trying to reinvent themselves. So I thought we might sit down and have a nice little chat about uh, YA novels that can help you uh, with your New Year, <laughs> New You adjustments um, as you're moving forward in 2018. Um, Kelly, do you have any, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions? Me personally, I yeah. am just going to move in my new house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good so one. I mean, that's super, super not as exciting as as, as what we're going to um, to talk about. But it did get me thinking about uh, a book that would be great for anybody who's in this situation when they're preparing to move and, and and feels just this sort of like overwhelming stress and excitement like colliding inside themselves. Um, I would suggest picking up Amy Lukovic's Daughters Unto Devils. <laughs> Because nothing can be worse than the horror house that that family moves into. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, it will always, make you feel be better worse. about your own situation. Yeah. What about you? Where, do you have any resolutions that you've got going on? Um, I have a cute one. I, I do kind of want to. I want to try to read a book a week to my uh, new baby. You oh, know, I, I know, love that. Yeah, I know. Next next month he's going to be like four months, so he probably can't really understand the. Uh, I don't know how deep some of these middle grade books or YA novels are going to get that I'm going to read to him. Um, but I, I, you know, him hearing some words and me sitting there, I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be fun. Oh yeah. I mean, they, they might not comprehend what you're saying, but the fact that you're focusing that time and energy and modeling the behavior is such a huge part of teaching somebody to love to read. So let's see. What about our new year, new you books? <laughs> Uh, what this books? Is, these are all theoretical, right? Yeah, so book, books <laughs> in the YA canon that could potentially help you reinvent yourself. Um, one book that I would highly recommend is uh, North of Happy by uh, D.L. Sade. It came out uh, this year over with Harlequin Teen. It's this great YA contemporary about a teen chasing his dream to be a chef. Uh and how would it work as a New Year, New You book? Well, each chapter starts off with recipes from the author. So you could spend a lot of time Ooh. reading this wonderful book, yeah, getting to know all these wonderful characters, uh, while at the same time cooking delicious meals, uh, thanks to Adi's uh, fantastic recipes that he has inside. So learn to cook in 2018, maybe. That just got me thinking, there are other YA books that do that, do that aren't there? Yeah. I, I, if I said my words more eloquently, that would have come out a little bit more nicely. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, I know that there are other YA books that do the recipe thing. And yeah, there's a uh, yeah, there's like a cupcake book, I think. Um, oh man, YA and food episode. Yes. Oh man, yeah. I'm writing that down right now so that we do that. Okay, <laughs> so that that's your New Year's resolution book: the, the learning to cook well with all the yes side. All side, yes. Yes. What what else is on yours? All right. For mine, this one is pretty great. Um, if you want to reinvent your entire identity, mm. you'll want to read The Victoria in My Head by Janelle Milanese, which is about a girl named Victoria, as you might guess, who she has always been um, sort of average, I guess is the best way to put it. And... Um, she's been heavily involved in track. That was sort of her big commitment. But then one day she sees this really cute dude hanging up posters looking for a lead singer in their rock band. Ooh. Now, Victoria has no experience in singing or in music. 
But she decides to try out because he's a cute guy. And the whole book sort of follows her as she lives this, like, rock star dream that is totally out of her comfort zone and totally beyond anything she could have imagined. Um, There's a lot of ups and downs, as you might imagine, especially when she sort of doesn't tell the whole truth to her family about what's going on. Um, Totally an Eric book, as I was reading it. I think I even sent you a message. I was like, oh, you'll love this because it's music and it's about identity and... It's just got a lot of like really cool stuff to it, um, and that came out this year. I believe it's a debut novel, so I don't, I didn't see very much about it, but I read it recently and was like, I have to talk about it. So that is the Victoria in My Head by Janelle Milanese, and that would be good for when you're ready to reinvent your entire identity. Now, maybe in 2018, you want to know a little bit more about history. It's good to know. Uh, where you're from to figure out, you know, where you're going. Um, so you might want to pick up some YA based on real stories or set around unique times in history. Um, I really enjoyed the novel uh, No Seats in Kansas that came out earlier this year. It's a YA perspective um, from uh, In Cold Blood by Truman Capote and the murders that were reported in that story. Uh, it's told through a teen living through all of it. Uh, so it gives you an interesting um, you know, perspective of... You know, something horrible that happened in history, but also a, uh, you know, a classic book. Um, or maybe you want to pick up Salt of the Sea by Ruta... Uh, how do you say her last name? Do you know? Uh, I think it's Cepedus. Cepedus? Um, Cepedus? All right, so it's this uh, YA about the sinking of the William Gulstoff during World War II, the largest loss of life in maritime history. Um, it'll break your heart as it paints this really intense portrayal of the ending of World War II and just, like, the madness surrounding everything. Um, we had a whole episode on straight-up YA nonfiction that you may want to look up um, after this, but these are some uh, novels that I think you might enjoy that'll, uh, you know, give you something to talk about when you're at the uh, at the family family gathering. Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't talk <laughs> about World War II and in-cold-blood murders at a... Uh, at Thanksgiving next year, but I don't know. You know, it's it's nice to know stuff about the world. <laughs> I, I think that would make for a fascinating table conversation, honestly. <laughs> so uh, another one on mine is if you want to, if your resolution is to build stronger relationships with your siblings, then you would want to pick up Tanita S. Davis's Peas and Carrots, which came out last year. It's about a white girl who is adopted by a black family that has a daughter who is um, in the same age group as her. And the book explores a lot of really interesting stuff about race and class in a thoughtful way while also sort of digging into what it means to be family, what it means to be sisters. And it gives um, both girls a voice into sort of what sisterhood looks like and all the different ways that it works or doesn't work. And this is one that would be especially good for readers who like their YA younger. Um, I believe that they're both 14 15. But it reads very much like a book that would be perfectly fine for middle schoolers and those middle grade readers who are reading up a little bit. Um, Not that older readers won't get a lot out of it, because I certainly did, but it's one that um, just stuck with me for being one of those rare, like, younger protagonists um, that are the main characters in the story. Hmm. Okay, I'll look that one up too. Um, So another thing you might want to do in 2018 is be able to... Uh, be that person that's uh, up to speed with pop culture, you know, be that be that guy who <laughs> reads something before the movie. Um, there's lots of great wine movies hitting next year, um, which I'm, I'm positive we're going to end up doing an episode on. Um, but, you know, you might want to read Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda before the movie comes out or read The Hate You Give. Um, I think Dumplin' 
is next year. Isn't isn't Dumplin' next year also? I think so. I think yeah. so. Maybe at the end of the year. Well, you know, you can be that person that goes around your friends <laughs> and says, oh, I read that before it was a book. You know, like that person that gets really cocky <laughs> because they knew a band before they were popular. You could be that person uh, in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps that's how you want to reinvent yourself. <laughs> so if you want to take up a new pastime i'd recommend reading a season of daring greatly by ellen emerson white which came out earlier this year and it's about a girl named jill who is a really great baseball player and is drafted as the first female professional baseball player um you know in a hypothetical world and it, it explores not just her sort of passion for baseball and her playing the game, but it's a really sharp look at sex, sexism and sports and about the different ways that being the, the first female baseball player puts her in this tremendously difficult position of experiencing a ton of sexism while also trying to play this role of being the perfect leader and role model for everybody younger who's looking up to her. Um, it's a really fascinating and well-written book. And one of the things that was really great about it was there's no romance. So for oh. readers who are like, oh, I can't do any romance, it's that's not in there at all. Um, and also baseball. Like, I didn't realize how much I like sports novels until I read them. And then whenever I read one, I'm like, I need more sports novels in my yes. life. And this is a great one. So, a uh, female baseball player. If mm. you're ready to take up a new pastime, maybe you'll be, you know, moved to start playing some ball or watching it or reading about it. You know, I just thought of Did one it... while you were talking. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe you want to read more classic books uh, next year in 2018. Um, and there are just so many great YA novels that constantly make literary references as you're reading them. Um, I really liked Want by Cindy Pond. Uh, I had a ton of literary references sort of scattered throughout it. Um, Nova Rensuma's uh, The Walls Around Us uh, has lots of bookish references because in the, the girls' prison, they're like reading different books uh, as, the, uh, as the story goes on. Um, ah, you know, there, there are probably scores more <laughs> that make great <laughs> literary references in the books, but those two come to mind right away. Um, so if you haven't read those yet and you want to get some good reading recommendations from authors that are brilliant, uh, maybe pick up those two. Those are great ones. Yes. The, uh, last one I have, Ooh, I, I put this in here and every time I think about this book, I get like a little bit heart fluttery. Um, and the best way I could describe what this resolution connection might be is how to deal with pain in healthy ways while also having every emotion in a one sit read. Um, and, and the book that I recommend for that is called A Short History of the Girl Next Door by Jared Reck. It's a short little book. I want to say like 250 pages. And it's about this boy who he, um, he's grown up with this girl, Tabby, across the street. They're the same age. They've been friends for ever and ever and ever. And Tabby gets a boyfriend. This is their freshman year of high school. And suddenly... The main character is having a lot of conflicting emotions about this. Um, he is sad that he never took a chance with this girl. He's sad that this older guy now has this girl that he always sort of felt belonged to him, even though he had never been in a relationship with her beyond their friendship. Mm. And it really, yeah, it really explores that sort of um, lost chance, I guess is the best way to put it. But... Um, 
not to ruin the book, there's a big twist that goes on about halfway through the book, and it changes a lot in the main character's perspective. Um, he becomes like a super jerk and super hard to like, and yet nobody else in the book will put up with it. And I loved that about it. Like, I was having a lot of feelings as I'm reading it, and then at the same time I'm like, yeah, but his mom said this about him, and that's true, and he has to sit with that. Um, it was just, it was a great sort of exploration of toxic masculinity and this idea of owning another person and having sort of, like, control over their life when, like, that isn't the case. Um, it's just, it packed so much in a tiny little book, and... Um, oh man, I cried buckets. Like I'm not much of a crier when it comes to books. I'm the opposite of you when it comes to books. <laughs> <laughs> and this one made me just like ball. Um, yeah, and, whew, it was a good one. If you haven't read it, like you need to go buy a special box of Kleenex for it. Oh man, that is that is skyrocketing to the top of my to be read list. I need to check it out. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna send me a bunch of messages being, "What are you doing to me? What? Why did you do this to me?" <laughs> Okay, uh, so shall yeah, we talk I about Sponsor 2? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that wraps up our our list of um, resolutions. Yes. I think those are some pretty good resolutions. And I do too. pretty good suggestions for how to follow through on them. Yeah. But yeah, do you want to go ahead and jump in on Sponsor number 2? Yes, yeah, so Sponsor 2 is The Impossible Fortress by Jason Rekalak and Simon and & Schuster. Um, it's May 1987. 14-year-old Billy Marvin of Wetbridge, New Jersey is a nerd, but decidedly happy nerd. Afternoons are spent with his buddies, watching copious amounts of television, gorging on Pop-Tarts, debating who would win in a brawl, Rocky Balboa or Freddy Krueger, Bruce Springsteen or Billy Joel, Magnum P.I. or T.J. Hooker, and programming video games on his Commodore 64 late into the night. Then, Playboy magazine publishes photos of their idol, Wheel of Fortune hostess Vanna White. Billy meets expert programmer Mary Zelinsky, and everything changes. Uh, the Impossible Fortress is the perfect escapist read when you need to ignore the reality of politics, family holiday drama, and the sun going down at 4 p.m. Binge this book. Uh, it's perfect for fans of uh, the 80s, Stranger Things, and John Hughes movies, uh, and the young love and authenticity found in Eleanor Park and John Green. Uh, the Impossible Fortress captures all the bike riding, video game playing, urge to grow up small town glory you didn't know you needed. Um, so I have particularly strong feelings for uh, Jason Rekulak's novel, um, as I worked for him for five years at Quirk Books, uh, <laughs> and he edited the first book I published. Um, and honestly, this kind of success he's having with this book couldn't have happened to a nicer person. Uh, this book is wonderful. Um, yes, definitely, definitely pick this one up. <laughs> Little little full disclosure at the end of there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about enthusiasm here, so it's okay to, yeah. to have that full on <laughs> excitement. So our second topic comes from an article that I read, and it um, we'll share the link again in the show notes. And it's it's a piece that aired on NPR about teens and dystopia fiction. Uh, the piece is, is pretty short. You could probably read it in no time. But it talks about what it is that keeps teens interested in dystopian fiction. Like, why, when so much of why is sort of moved away from dystopia, um, you know, after, after Hunger Games, there was a big explosion of dystopia, and then it sort of waned quite a bit. And we haven't seen a lot of it lately. This piece talks about why it is teens still love it and why they keep coming back to it more and more and more. Um, you know what's really, you know what's really interesting about an article like this is that, um, 
Like, I love it when I can find good YA articles on the internet, but I usually only find out about a YA article when it's really bad. Yes. Because everyone yes. is sharing it and they're upset. Uh, so I hadn't seen this one, and I would have loved to have read this, but uh, yeah, people seem to only share the ones that are terrible. So this is this one was not. This was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it caught my attention for that exact reason as I was reading it. I'm like, okay, what's going to be the the thing that like <laughs> would set people off? And as you're reading it, you're like, you, these, it's a piece about a teen librarian running a dystopia book club and what the kids are saying about the books. And then it talks with an expert on teen fiction and, and specifically dystopian fiction who talks about why it is that teens love these sorts of books. And, and the big takeaway from it is that Dystopia explores the ethical gray areas, and it allows teens to ask a lot of questions and to sort of think through these challenging ideas in a world that is different from ours, and yet, for them, is exactly what ours is. Like, they are questioning authority, they're questioning these rules and laws and and, and these government ideas, you know, government being the school that they're going to, the teachers that they have to report to, you know, their bosses at their part-time jobs, Mm. their parents, their friends. Um, There's a quote in there about how acting out, in quotes, in teen years isn't about being bad or rebellious, but instead it's about experimentation and questioning. And dystopias allow that sort of questioning of an unfair world to play out in ways that other genres don't necessarily have. Like, there's some in every genre, of course, but in dystopia, there's something so open to questioning. And I agree. I mean, I think that's why we saw such a huge explosion when we did. Yeah. And, like, dystopia, you know, it it kind of forces the characters to act out and, uh, and you know, see those challenges head on and ask those questions. Because if you don't... uh maybe you die in the dystopia book. <laughs> um, so like those challenges have to be uh, conquered and, and taken over. And uh, yeah, I, I like, I like that they push teenagers and readers to think that way. Um, you know, not that they might die, but that they should ask these questions. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the world doesn't make sense. School doesn't make sense. Um, maybe you should question what's going on. Um, and I get your point about like adults sort of being meh on dystopian novels, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe at some point, you don't question as much as teenagers do anymore, but I don't know. For some of us, that crushing outside world viewpoint never really goes away. You know, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still pretty eager to rebel when I can. I want to read books that give me hope um, that you can uh, rebel in a productive way. Um, yeah, I feel like some part of that rebellious nature doesn't doesn't necessarily fade away. <laughs> so there's a um, the the book I'm listening to on audio right now is an adult nonfiction book. It's called Braving the Wilderness and it's by Brene Brown. And one of the things she talks about is that culturally we've become super divided. That there's either you're right or you're wrong. You know, you're either with us or you're against us. And there's very little room for sort of feeling out the uncomfortable space in between. And as I was reading this article and thinking about that book, it just really got me thinking about, like, I wonder if that's part of why adults get so tired of it, is for them they see more blacks and whites than teenagers who are super eager to, to sort of dig into this gray area because they haven't been forced to pick a side yet. Like, they oh. are questioning things in ways that adults have sort of, not all, of course, and, and not in every situation, but adults are more likely to have their minds made up regardless of whether they've put real thought into something or not, 
Whereas teenagers are going to sit there and, and nitpick and think through everything and explore those like super tough questions because they haven't been hearing it for decades and decades and decades. You know, the, the TV news hasn't killed them yet. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. No, I've that's wondered, a great article. Yeah, it's a really great article. It got me wondering too, um, you know, we talked about adults burning out, but I wonder if that's the reason that some readers like myself read Stephen King so young. Um mm. You know, he doesn't write dystopia, but he writes horror, and in a lot of ways, as a teenager, you sort of relate to that horror world. <laughs> I read a lot of Michael Crichton when I was young. Uh-huh. He was, like, my choice uh, adult <laughs> author. And, like, I remember as a kid being always just like, whoa, and, like, thinking about <laughs> everything in it. Uh, and now that I've read some of his books as an adult, it's, it's a little less wonder and a little more, let me Google that and see if that could really happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do kind of miss that that more innocent, you know, say, whoa, like Keanu Reeves moments that I used to have when I was reading those kind of books. I I love that idea of wonder. And, and that's sort of what this piece gets at is teens have this sense of wonder about dystopia and the worlds that are created there that I think sort of dies off when we get a little bit older. Or maybe maybe it's not even so much that we're getting older. It's just that we've had so much political stuff thrown at us that we just sort of forget to look for that wonder. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll link to this piece because it's really good. Um, and like you said, so rarely do we see the good pieces. We see so many of the pieces where we're like, oh, really? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to wrap up today's episode by talking about what we're reading this month. And by this month, I mean January. So we're actually talking about things we're going to do in the future by pretending we're in the future, even though we're still in December. Make sense? Sounds good. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so first up on my to-be-read list in um, yeah in January is uh, Chaotic Good by Whitney Gardner. We just talked about her a little bit earlier. Um, wait, did we? No, I don't think we did. We didn't. Uh, we were going to, but I can, I can throw it in. Is um, <laughs> So when we're prepping for the podcast, we make these long lists of books and things we want to talk about. And one of my resolution ideas was if you wanted to <laughs> to learn a new art skill, to read Your Welcome Universe by Whitney Gardner, which is about a graffiti artist who gets in some trouble and also gets in like a graffiti battle. Um, <laughs> so there, I mentioned it. Yes, we have there talked we about go. that book. <laughs> so, so her second novel uh, is called Chaotic Good. Um, and it has this gorgeous, like, paper doll-themed cover with, like, a giant Final Fantasy-looking sword on it. Um, it's about a teen who's uh, dealing with online trolls and in-person abuse from just these, like, bro-dude geeks. Um, she's getting harassed in her comic book shop. She's getting harassed on the internet. You name it. Um, so she dresses like a boy. Uh, so she can go to her comic book store. Uh, and she starts to get kind of stuck in this role as she falls for someone in the D&D game that she gets recruited for. Um, it sounds like just a spectacularly nerdy book, uh, and I'm really excited for it. It comes out in in March. Um, what else? And then, uh, Kelly, I suspect you probably got sent a copy of this, too, because we both nerd out about him a lot. Um, but I got a copy of Brian Bliss's uh, Will Fly Away. Um, I haven't gotten it yet, so whoever's no? listening can hook me up. Yes, um, please. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a YA novel told from death row. Um, Brian Bliss is so good at hitting you right in the heart with his stories. Um, and this one looks like a book that just goes in swinging. Uh, it's told with, in letters and um, 
yeah, I'm just I'm just locked in and ready to be devastated. Maybe I'll read the book <laughs> you recommended, Kelly, uh, and then read this one back to back and just just have a day where I'm ruined. So uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's very much on the top of my list. Uh, what about you? What are you What are you reading? Uh, so I've got I've got three that I'm definitely going to get through in January, and uh, the first one on my list is my so-called Bollywood life, Banisha Sharma. It's a book about a romance that was quote written in the stars, but when Winnie, the main character, discovers that her boyfriend of three years is cheating on her, she's going to turn to Bollywood to figure out how to end her own story. Um, that's sort of the pitch that's on the back with my interpretation <laughs> attached to it. Um, and it sounds a lot like, I believe in a thing called Love by Maureen Goo, which I absolutely loved this year. Um, but my so-called Bollywood life looks more at Bollywood versus K-drama. And this one hits shelves in May, May 15th. It's a short little one too. Yeah. Um, which I'm so appreciating going shorter. Oh, in the back of this... I'm looking at it right now, like I believe in a thing called love, has a list of Bollywood movie references in the back, reviews of the movies, starred reviews of the movies, and then um, more Bollywood movies ranked four stars and higher. That is so cool. I love that. The next one on my pile is Finding Yvonne by Brandy Colbert. Oh, so and this one's I know, where I can be jealous of um, the one you've got. You can be jealous of this one. <laughs> this one comes out in August. I think it's August 7th. It doesn't have the exact date on it. But it's a story about a girl named Yvonne who has been a violin player since she was seven. And it's sort of been her company and her comfort. She lives in a difficult family situation. And she's about to graduate high school. And realizes that going to the conservatory might not be an option for her. So it's sort of figuring out what she's going to do after high school. Figuring out how to navigate the challenging family relationship she's got going on. And then she finds out she's pregnant too. So that adds another layer to what do I do now? You know, I'm 18. I've hit that point of I'm an adult. Like how, how do I figure out what the heck I'm going to do with my life? Um, Colbert's... Writing is one that I just trust without question, and I'm really excited to read this one. Um, she is, I think, writing a lot of black girls in really complex and nuanced ways that we certainly can use more of in YA. And she's doing it in a way that, not that there's anything, there, there's not, there's nothing wrong with a lot of the, the YA with black protagonists that are doing really, really well, like they should be, um, but those sort of explore black pain in a way that um, I think deserves some tempering with books that are a little bit more everyday, less painful, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like the, the, um, that are seeped more in, I don't want to say suburban experiences cause that's not right either, but, um, you know, they, they offer another look at, at black people being black people and living their lives and, um, yeah. you know, giving us so many more stories than just the ones that are horrible and hard to read. Hmm. So, yes, that's Finding Yvonne by Brandy Colbert. Then the last one I've got here is Votes for Women, American Suffragists, and the Battle for the Ballot by Winifred Conkling. So I've read a few 
middle grade and YA nonfiction titles about the suffrage movement, and I have been pretty disappointed in every single one of them. Um, they tend to be super white and uncritical of big gaping holes in the perspectives and attitudes of a lot of the early feminists, but I have read Conkling before and really like that she digs into politics and attitudes of cultural beliefs that go along with the historical moment she's digging into, and just from the back description alone, I've got a feeling this one's going to give me the depth and nuance and complexity as well as a look at the people who were behind the movement who weren't white ladies um, who helped get the vote. And I think I, I would be surprised if it also doesn't talk about what getting suffrage actually meant because it's a lot more complex than women got the vote. Um, but it, it has all sorts of, like, uh, photos and documents throughout it, too, which makes nonfiction part of, like, that's part of why I love nonfiction so much, is I like seeing all those pieces of it. Not just somebody's take on the pieces, but sort of the pieces themselves, so you can then look at them and, and interpret as you need to. It's got, it's got a massive, um, works cited notes section as well, which is really nice. And a timeline. There's a timeline. The Suffrage Sisters is what it's called. And it starts with Mary Wollstonecraft. Okay, yeah. I think I might start this this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any more that you have on your list? or? No, that's really it. That's my little stack. Fair. I think it's fair. It's a good stack. I think that's a wrap on our show for today. Yeah, I think we're done. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And welcome to 2018. If you have any feedback about the show, you're welcome to leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing, and that helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars, and you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.